And then he asks another question. And it's the second question every person will have to deal with that walks this planet. As he's standing there in front of the crowds and he's wanting to please the crowds. There it is, right? Man-pleasing. He looks at the crowds and says, what shall I do with this Jesus who is called the Christ? That's the question every human will have to address. What am I going to do with Jesus? Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch. Father, we come before you, and uh, God, here we are back in your word. Father, I pray we never take it for granted Uh, Jesus, uh, you are the way, the way, the truth, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through you. So Holy Spirit, I ask you would descend on this place like never before. Father, if there's one here today that outright rejects you, God, I I pray for them right now. May you soften their heart. Father, maybe there's one here today that professes you intellectually, but even at this very moment, they understand and realize that they still own their life. And God, I pray that you you would set that captive free, oh God. for those that have truly surrendered their lives to You and they're soldiering on, they're charging forward in the work, may You encourage them. God, just have Your way in this place. Don't allow us to quench or grieve You. Don't allow us to, Lord. Hide me behind the shadows of the cross and the empty tomb. Lord, I got nothing good to say today, but you got everything good to say. Holy Spirit, speak. Give me a divine unction right now. And we pray this all in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. Matthew 28 in your Bible. Looking at verses 1 through 10, this is the ESV translation. I pray if you have a Bible, a a paper Bible, or some sort of mobile device that you would turn there with me uh, to follow along in the reading of God's Word, and I pray you have a copy of the sermon notes with you to dive deep into the Scriptures today. The title, as you're turning to that passage of Matthew 28, 1 through 10, is the title of the message is the tomb is empty, and the four soils. Who truly benefits from the empty tomb? I mean, who truly benefits? Well, we're going to see from Scripture, and it may surprise you. Matthew 28, 1 through 10 Now after the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. Mary Mary, as we say, right? Went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and and sat on it. took a break. (laughs) His appearance was like lightning. And his clothes white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. 
For I know, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. Here's our verse for today, verse 6. He is not here, for He has risen. And three very important words follow that are not filler. As He said. Boy, you can take Jesus at His word. Amen, church? When Jesus speaks, Jesus means what He speaks. Come, see the place where He lay. Then go quickly, without delay, and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. Can you imagine what must be going on in their heads? See, I have told you. So they departed quickly. Well, a lot of quickly is going on today, isn't there? So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and they ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met with them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet, and they worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. This is the Word of God, and all God's people shouted. Amen. You know, before you can get to the empty tomb, you got to get to the blood-stained cross, don't you? Before you can get to the empty tomb in your life, before you can get to salvation, because if Jesus doesn't arise from the grave today, if He's still in the tomb, well, we're all in trouble. If He is still in the tomb today, we are all wasting our time. You may have a honey ham waiting at home, but we're wasting our time. But I know this, according to God's Word, the Word of God that I stand on, the Word of God that I will die for, the Word of God that is the living, breathing, active Word of God, I know this without any shadow of doubt. I know this, that God through Jesus Christ is not dead, but He's fully alive. We've got to hang our hat on that. And when you hang your hat on the reality of what he did on that cross, that the Bible says this, that if you have never given your life to Jesus, if it's not true, if it's not real, this is what the Bible says. Not what I'm saying, don't shoot the messenger, but this is what the Bible says. The Bible says this, that for those who do not give their lives to Christ, you are an enemy of God. You're an enemy. That's what the Bible says. You're an enemy. And yet, here's the vast love of our great God. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That in the midst of us being enemies of God, Christ goes, I'm, I'm going to die for you. What kind, what kind of love, what kind of father, what kind of deity willingly gives what's most precious to them for their enemy. People go, man, I wish God would do something for me. I hear this all the time. I wish God would do something for me. I want God to do something for me. Let me get this straight, chief. You want God to do something for you. Like, yeah. Hold on, buddy. You're an enemy of God. He gives what's most precious to Him to free you from yourself, and you want God to do something for you. Am I tracking with you, chief? But this time, he's totally confused. This is the love of God. And He gave His Son Jesus on a cruel Roman cross. And the torture and the brutality is nothing that you want to encounter. What you read about, what you study, doesn't do it justice. The beating, the scourging, the blood. Many were torn apart on the cross by, by birds of prey. Many suffered for days, just excruciating pain on the cross. And you want Jesus to do something for you. 
Jesus didn't die on the cross so that you could fulfill the American dream. Because the American dream is an American nightmare. He died on the cross to set you free. And the way that he did that was just not part one of the cross, but it's part two called the empty tomb. But let me ask you a question. Who truly benefits from the empty tomb? Think about this before you answer. Who truly benefits from the empty tomb? Does everyone live this life? You go pursue your own hopes and dreams, and you're just out there, and you got Jesus tagging along with you to bless all your plans. And then everyone just ends up in the Disneyland in the sky. Is that how this works? Like when every person in this room, myself at the top of the list, that we die unless the Lord comes back, does everyone just go poof, and there we are. There's the heavenly merry-go-round. Is that how this works? Who really benefits from the empty tomb? So you got to remember, what is the gospel called? It's called the good news, right? And if it's good news, you know this, there must be bad news. Who really benefits from the empty tomb? Like biblically. Well, I'm going to give you four answers to that question from Scripture. And we're going to look at one verse in Matthew 28, and I'm going to show you from Scripture who truly benefits from the empty tomb. I want you to look for a moment in your sermon notes in front of you, in your Bible or on the screens. Here is the one verse. It's very simple. It's Matthew 28, 6a. And I am intentionally going to repeat this four times. So this is under kind of the section one in your notes or on the screens. Because on this glorious Easter Sunday, when we drill down to the bedrock of Scripture, church, that's what we're going to do. We're going to drill down to the bedrock of Scripture. Who really benefits of the reality that Jesus Christ conquered sin and death and the grave is forever empty? And by the way, when I was thinking of this the other day, I guess it would have been yesterday, Saturday, we call it Good Friday and Friday. We call it Easter Sunday. What about Silent Saturday? Can you imagine what Satan must have been thinking on Silent Saturday? Woo-hoo! <laughs> I got him now. I finally had the preeminence. I finally have what I've been craving. I defeated this Jesus who was called the Christ. Wrong, wrong, and more wrong, Satan. Go back to hell where you belong. Jesus Christ was behind the scenes on Silent Saturday. He was working out an eternal weight of glory. And the greatest, most lopsided victory in the history of the world was unfolding behind the scenes. The greatest, most lopsided victory in the history of the world was unfolding behind the scenes. You say, how do you know? Because Sundays are coming, amen? And on that morning, when he ran out of that grave, when he ran out of that grave with your victory, with my victory for those who give their life to Christ, it was forever settled. You can rest today. If you're a true believer in Christ, you can rest in the person and the finished work of Jesus, and you get to rest in nothing else. He's more than enough. You say, how do you know? Well, look in your Bible. Matthew 28, 6a, he, Jesus, is not here, for he is risen. Who really benefits today on this Easter Sunday? Is this just a day where we, you know, we dress up? Is this just a day where, you know, it's spring break? Is it just a day where we got a day off work, either on Friday or Monday or maybe both? Is that all this is really about in the end of the, in the grand scheme of things? Is that all this is? Write down key number one in your notes. The empty tomb of Jesus is not good news for those who have spiritually hard hearts towards the Word of God. The empty tomb of Jesus is not good news for those who have spiritually hard hearts towards the Word of God. 
These people, they trade the Word of God for the ways of the world. It's impossible to be changed by the Word of God if you reject the Word of God. I can't, you can't be changed by this glorious book if you are rejecting it. The only way you can be changed by it is to embrace it. The only way you can be changed by it is to be transformed by it, right? I mean, really, to be transformed by the renewing of the Word. And what does Romans 12 tell us? It says, be renewed by the transforming of what? Your mind. It's the data center. It's the battlefield of the mind. It's where all of this goes on. So many people sit in churches week after week, month after month, year after year, and they profess Christ, but they've never been changed. You think about this thought. When is peace needed? Have you ever thought about this? This dawned on me the other day. When is peace needed? When there's a war. And a spiritually hard heart towards the Word of God is at war with God. Here's a tactic that Satan uses. It's the worship of self. I don't know if you've noticed this, but it's the flavor of the day. The worship of self. Just worship yourself. Exchange theology for meology, the doctrine of me. What's in it for me? Rejecting God's word and trusting in man's word. Church, does everyone... Does everyone, regardless of their response to the gospel, become a beneficiary of the gospel? Does everyone, regardless of their response to the gospel, become a beneficiary of the gospel? What does the Bible say? Write down Luke chapter 8. 4 through 5, Luke 8, 4 through 5. And when a great crowd was gathering, the people from town after town came to him. He said in a parable, and that's a whole other thing that will mess with your mind. Parables weren't cute little stories to explain things. If you read the scriptures, they actually were to disguise truths from unbelievers. And I know that right now is messing with your head, right? Because we learn when we're this age that, hey, Jesus talked in parables because he wanted to talk in cute little stories. That's not what the Bible says. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. Jump down to Luke 8, 11 through 12. Here's the explanation. Now the parable is this. The seed is the what, church? Help me. The Word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes. Oh, here comes Satan. He's always just there, isn't he? It's kind of like a golden retriever sitting at your bedside every morning, isn't he? Just feed me, feed me, pet me, pet me. And as he sowed, some fell along the path. And what did he do, though? Well, the ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the Word. Takes away the Word from their hearts. So they may not believe and be, help me church, saved. We're in a battle. Well, we're in a spiritual crisis in America. This isn't a financial issue. This is not a political issue. It's not ultimately a race issue, although those things are true. At the nub of what we're dealing with is a spiritual crisis of mass proportions. Who really benefits from the gospel? We have churches all across our country today that Paul Warren Timothy said, there's going to come a time, there's going to come a time, like put on your seatbelt, buckle up, where they will not endure sound doctrine. They won't endure it. It's not really doing anything for me. Let me go somewhere where it's more fun. Twinkies and Twizzlers. You know what you do when you eat Twinkies and Twizzlers? They taste good going down, but you feel empty. 
And they won't endure sound doctrine, but they'll heap up teachers for themselves to, to hear what they want to hear, to have the ears tickled. That's where we are. That's where we are. The great falling away looks good, looks right, seems pleasable. That's Satan. That's what he does. And these people right here in key number one, they think they know what they need as they pursue the things of the world, but they end up empty and lost and searching. But they insist that they have their own way. Every person, every person on this planet, every person in this room, every person listening right now has to deal with this question. Every person. You can't circumvent it. You can't jump around it. You can't take a detour. can't take a nap. Not going to happen. Every person has to deal with this question. And Pilate stood there in front of the king. He stood in front of Jesus Christ, and he said this. He said, what is truth? Pause. Not a trick question. Who is Pilate standing in front of? Help me. Remember, if you don't know the answer, say Jesus, and you're probably close, right? Who is he standing in front of? Jesus. And he's standing in front of Jesus, and he looks at Jesus and goes, what is truth when he's standing in front of the truth? You talk about blinded and deluded. And then he asks another question, and it's the second question every person will have to deal with that walks this planet. As he's standing there in front of the crowds, and he's wanting to please the crowds. Ooh, there it is, right? Man-pleasing. He looks at the crowds and says, what shall I do with this Jesus who is called the Christ? That's the question every human will have to address. What am I going to do with Jesus? Is he just going to continue to be the fuzzy dice around my mirror? Is he going to be my get well genie? Or is he going to be my Lord and my Savior and my Master? Do not, church, do not buy the lie. It's a lie from hell. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Don't buy the lie today. Don't leave here today. Don't leave here today. Don't buy the lie that you can take Jesus or leave him. It's a lie. You cannot take him or leave him. One zeptosecond inside eternity, you will understand the reality of your decision. Every person will face Christ. And if you've never given your life to Christ today, you will stand guilty as charged. Who really benefits from the gospel? I'm glad you asked. Matthew 28, 6a, under point number two, he, Jesus, is not here, for he has risen. Key number two. Key number two, the empty tomb of Jesus is not good news for those who profess Christ, but, but time and testing expose, time and testing expose that they are not truly saved as they believe for just a while, as their spiritual roots are hardened. Have you noticed the theme here, by the way? Hard hearts, hard roots. All from Scripture. You say, well, where do we get this key number two from? Well, I'm glad you asked. Luke 8, verse 6, And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. There it is. Luke 8, 13, and the ones on the rock are those, it explains, are those who when they hear the word, when they hear it, what do they do? What's it say? They receive it with what? Like these aren't people that go, wait a minute, I worship Satan. No, these are people that go, man, this is awesome. This is fantastic. This is wonderful. You're listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. 
That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch. But you know this truth. Time is the great exposer of who we all really are. Just give it time. Just give it time and who I am and who you are will be revealed. They receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while in the time of testing, the time of hardship, the difficulties that come into all of our lives. What do they do? What's the Bible say right there? What do they do? Run closer to Jesus? No. What do they do? They fall away. That's why. That's why we are so passionate about the Word of God at Enon Baptist Church. I mean, we can start doing gimmicks and games, and I mean, you can fill the place. But God wants you to have deep spiritual roots, because it's not if you face testing, it's when. And I can't tell you, I can't tell you the number of people from my birth till now that I have seen go, I'm in for Jesus. He's awesome. He's my buddy. He's my friend. He's my cosmic Santa Claus. He's my divine butler. And I look back and they're nowhere to be found. What happened? Was Jesus not powerful enough to save them? But what happened? No, they, they received it with joy, but it wasn't real. They, they didn't have roots. Well, we're nourished by the Word, the washing of the Word. It will give you roots. It will give you hope. It will give you life. It will give you a newness. You become a new creation in Christ. You take off the old, you put on the new. That's what the Word of God does. But these people also trade the ways of the Word for the ways of the world. And it's impossible to be changed by the gospel if you claim to receive it. But over time, it just fades like a fad. The worship of self, you must be a self-feeder to combat the worship of self. You're going to leave here today, and if you've got a honey ham, that's great, actually. I mean, that's, there's nothing sinful in honey ham that I know of, amen? I mean, praise the Lord. But the reality is there's 10,080 minutes in a week. And if you can't sit under and have your Bible open and your notes ready and you sit on the edge of your seat and you look at the pastor, whatever church you may go to, and you go, I didn't show up to hear you. I came here to hear from Jesus. And you're hungry and you're leaning in. You're like, I want more, I want more, I want more. I need my roots. My roots are dying. And I can't tell you the number of people that I stand in front of on a yearly basis and talk to in a counseling session that their roots have died because they got out from under this. It's not doing anything for me. Really. Let me ask you a question. If this is not doing something for you, where's the problem? I can assure you it's not here. Who really benefits from the gospel? Do we just all end up in this Disneyland in the sky? Is that how this works? Do you want only God? Or do you want only heaven? Here's what I've learned. It is totally possible to want only heaven and never get to God. Oh, yeah. That's actually the narrative Satan's pushing. I've also learned this. It's impossible to truly get to God and not get to heaven. That's all we fight to give you God. And that's why the enemy fights so hard against it. I mean, do we really want God? Like, again, if it's just God that we have here today, is He enough in your life, truthfully? Truthfully? For many people that profess Christ, the answer is no. But as you look at this text in Luke 8, 6 and 13, 
there are a lot of good, nice, church-going people all across our country today that fall into this category because they're rocky ground hearers. Part number three. Go back to Matthew 28, verse 6a. He, Jesus, is not here for He is risen. Church, who benefits from the gospel truthfully? Is it category one? If category one says, I'm not going to repent, I'm not going to turn from my way, do they really benefit from the gospel? Category two, if they say, you know what, I've heard it, it's joyful, wait a minute, it just really isn't for me. Do they really benefit from the gospel according to the Word of God? How about three? Let's try number three. What's behind door number three? The empty tomb, key number three, write it down. The empty tomb of Jesus is not good news for those who hear the Word of God, but then the cares of this earthly life lure them away from the truth. And any seeming spiritual fruit in their lives does not grow. These people trade the ways of the Word for the ways of the world, and it's kind of like squirrel, right? Squirrel! You ever heard that one before? Squirrel! Over there, over here, right? Just being lured, being baited, being seduced is what the Bible says. A culture that we live in, the culture that we live in, here it is, a deluded sanitized, partial gospel is proclaimed. A deluded, let's water it down, don't offend anybody, they may not show up or give, right? Why do we tell them the truth that can set them free? Because if they don't show up and give, what are we going to do? Here's what we do. We trust God no matter what is what we do. And all over the country today, there's a deluded, sanitized, partial, me-centered gospel going on, all cloaked under Jesus. Looks good, sounds good, must be true. Well, how will you know, church, how, you, how will you know what's true as I hold up the Bible if you're not in what I'm holding up the Bible? This is your, your check and balance, that it's living, it's breathing, and it truly will set you free. God desires, I believe, this next statement. God desires for us to have a simple, spiritually effective life. That's his goal. Satan wants us to have a chaotic, busy, pulled at the seams, rat race, spiritually ineffective life. You've heard me say this before, but all Satan has to do in my life and your life is just get us busy. That's all he has to do. Just busy. Being under Satan's yoke. Busy. Just fill people's schedule with all kinds of craziness. Sunday's the new Saturday, as we always say, right? By the way, that's not like coincidental. That's by the enemy. Let me just take over that day that was so hallowed at one point and revered and set apart. And let's just go have barbecues and sports and whatever else is going on. All a scheme of the enemy to destroy the nuclear family. That's what it is. Trust me on this. Trust me. It's all a tactic and a scheme of the enemy. Does everyone, regardless of the response to the gospel, become a beneficiary of the gospel, truthfully? Luke 8, 7, and some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. Luke 8, 14, and as for what fell among the thorns, those who hear... But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. This one here, I believe, has to be the number one going on among professed believers today. They're choked by the cares of the world. Just being pulled in every direction. And what happens when you get choked? You can't what? Breathe. And what happens is when the Holy Spirit gets choked, what can He no longer do in your life? He can no longer pneuma, wind, breathe on you. You're choking Him. And so many people profess Christ, but they're strangling the Holy Spirit to death. Can you imagine being a doctor? Any doctors in the room, by the way? Doctors? Okay. This is not a doctor-friendly church, okay? I got you. 
Gotcha. Use a few doctors, couldn't we? Ever go to the doctor and you sit there and, you know, they finally come in after you were on time and they're really, really late, so you know what I'm talking about? Like, what's, what's going on here with this setup, you know? And, and what happens? Well, you're sitting on the table, right? And what does he do or she? What, what do they do? I mean, what do they do when they come in? Well, they just look at you, they write a prescription, and then they leave, right? And they're done. Is that what they typically do? I mean, they just they go, oh, hey, how you doing? Oh. Here you go, see you. We'll see you next year. Is that what they do? No, they, they, they probe. They, they, they drill deep. They, they, they see and encounter and understand what's wrong with you. And they prayerfully give you something that can make you well. And all over the country today, we got churches that are just writing prescriptions. <laughs> We're glad you're here. Go. Be filled, be fed, be well. When they're not giving the true prescription, the holy written word of God. Church, does everyone, does everyone, does everyone truly, truly benefit from the gospel? Lastly, Matthew 28, 6a. He, Jesus, is not here for he is risen. Here's key number four. The empty tomb of Jesus is the best news ever for those whose hearts are fertile soil. They hear the word of God. They tenaciously cling to it. Think about that. They tenaciously cling to it with desperation. And they bear ongoing fruit worthy of repentance, worthy of change. My life's really changed. I don't need to tell you it's changed. Just look at my life. It's changed. That's the good news of the gospel. That's it. That's it. If you're in category one through three today and you reject Christ, the gospel's not good news, it's bad news. The empty tomb is not good news, it's bad news. But for you that have given your life to Christ, for you that will give your life to Christ today, and I pray if there's any here that haven't, that today will be your day, I pray you get this straightened out now. Like now, today. Not tomorrow, not next week. Don't keep kicking the can down the street. Today's the day to get this straightened out. And here's the difference. Here's the difference. You want to know the difference in the four soils? Here's the difference in the one that's true and real. Here's the difference in the one soil that benefits from the empty tomb. These people, they know what they need. And they end up truly rescued and full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. These people don't insist on their own way. They insist that God would have his way with them. But we get a bunch of people gathering together going, look, uh, we're not really sure, but we know this. We're running hard after the one that is really sure, and his name's Jesus. And God, just have your way with me today. Like all of me. Like all of me. Just, just take my life and use it for your glory. See, we're changed by the gospel and the empty tomb when our hearts are soft and tender. When they're rebellious, when they're living in deceit, when they're listening to the noise, we're not only deadening our own roots, we're not only hardening our own hearts, but here's the real travesty. We're actually standing in the way of the advancement of the gospel. That's the real travesty. But by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, our filthy robes have been removed and we've been clothed in His robes of righteousness. Amen, church? And when do you need peace? When there's a war. And the Bible says that if you're rejecting Christ today, if you're here today and you're going, I'm going to reject Him, you're at war with God. And what Jesus did, he says, look, if you'll just give your life to me, I will not only make things new, but I will reconcile you to God, and it's the greatest peace treaty that's ever been signed. 
See, one of the other misnomers in the American church is this, that salvation is a one-way street. It's not true. It's not true. Let me ask you a question. Jesus gave His life. Amen? If you choose to not give your life to Him, are you still saved? Got quiet in here, didn't it? The answer is no. If you believe the Bible, this is not a one-way street. This is a two-way street. Yes, it's free. It's a free gift. But if you give me a gift and I go, I don't want your gift. Have I received your gift? No. So many people think they've received the gift of Christ, but they've actually never received it because they're either subconsciously or openly rejecting the gift of Christ because they realize this, there's going to be a lot of pain in that offering. And they realize this, that Jesus said that if you're really for me, here's what's going to happen. You're going to have to do these things. And it's so crazy what he says here. It's the hardest things we'll ever do, right? But when Jesus says, if you're really for me, he goes, you got to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. How often do you hear that taught? Here's what you often hear, right? Hey, Jesus is here to bless you. <laughs> yeah, I only got 20 minutes here, so let's make this, make this choppy, snappy. All tools of the enemy to continue in this falling away that the Bible predicted. Read the Bible, it predicts it. There's going to be a great falling away. Great falling away. Disciples with Jesus, John 6, 66, not on the screens. Many of his disciples at that point, they, they walked away and they abandoned him. They walked with him no more. And Jesus didn't run around town trying to beg them and twist their arms and negotiate with them. He looks at them and goes, do you want to go too, the rest of you? <laughs> well, that's, that's great church growth strategy <laughs> from Jesus. <laughs> you want to go too? You want to go with the droves on the wide path that leads to destruction? Or do you want to be on the narrow way? It's hard, it's difficult, it's in the Word, it's discipleship, it's sacrifice, it's commitment, it's truth. You stand boldly. Is that where you want to be? If you do, it's going to be hard, it's going to be brutal, you're going to be a human pinata, a human dartboard, but it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Does everyone benefit from the gospel? Well, Luke 8, 8, and some fell into the good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. I love this. And he said, these things he called out, he who hears, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Luke 8, 15, as for that in the good soil, they are those who hearing the word. Oh, I love this. This is good. This is good. And those who hearing the word, they hold it fast. In an honest and good heart, they bear fruit with patience. They hold it fast. They go, this is the Word of God. Man, I'm going to hang on to it. I'm going to treasure it. It's the greatest thing there is. It's all about Jesus, and He saved my life. Because 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that if you are this soil, you've been freed from both the penalty and the power of sin. 15, 1 through 4, 1 Corinthians to the jacked up church in Corinth. Paul writes, Now I remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preach to you, which you received, in which you stand, you're anchored, you're riveted to, you're welded to, and by which you're being saved, rescued. If, <laughs> two way street, the two way street, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. Section 1, section 2, section 3 of the soils. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with what church? The Scriptures. That He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with what church? The Scriptures. If you believe that, shout amen. Amen. Philippians 3.12, not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, Paul writes now to the church there in Philippi, but I press on to make it my own. Why? Because, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. 
Can you say today, truthfully, that Christ Jesus has made you his own? I pray you can. Because 1 Peter says it like this, our final verse. 1 Peter 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to what? A dead hope? No, no, no. To a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Do you believe that today, church? I'm reminded of a story years ago. It's been told for some time, but uh, there was a showing of what's called the Jesus film. Anyone ever seen that film, the Jesus film? Okay, got one. One person saved. Oh, wow. We, we got our work cut out for us today, don't we? Okay. And they were showing the Jesus film in a foreign country. And as they're showing this among just droves of people, and they're showing the brutality, the reality of the cross. And they're showing what Christ did on the cross. And the horrific beating and the scourging and the execution and, and, and all that's going on. And there's an emotional moment. And yet one young boy, one young boy, one young boy begins to cry out. And he says, do not be afraid. He gets up. I saw this before. Praise the Lord. Amen. Can you say that today about your life? That when you think about the resurrection, when you think about the crucifixion before that, that you can say today with a shout in your life, with 100% certainty, oh, he gets up. He gets up. He lives today. You know, I don't think we get excited enough about Jesus conquering the grave. I don't understand it. I mean, I, I actually, I'm confused. I'll be just very blunt and direct. I don't understand. I'm confused. Like, greatest disease called sin, greatest cure called Jesus, and we just sit there and neck like, what? I've seen some of you. When your ball team's losing, you lose your mind. I mean, you lose your ever-loving mind. I remember sitting at some Liberty football games here this past season. But we sat there and we're watching the, the ball team get warmed up. They go into the locker room. And the way we had our seats positioned, they were strategic. You got to be strategic about these spiritual things. Amen? And we were very strategic about how our seats were looking right there to the left side of the corner of the locker room. And sure enough, the, the clock was about ready to strike the time for the game to begin. And here comes the Liberty football team. And they're all standing there and the music's blaring. The music is pumping. They're, they're all just, they're bouncing. I mean, they are pumped up. They are ready to go onto the field. They're, they're ready to go Baptocostal on the field. You know what I'm talking about? They're just ready to go. The coaches are trying to hold them back. I mean, they are ready to go. It's going to be amazing what's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, they turn them loose and, and the music plays and, and everyone roars. And every time I sat there, I got goosebumps because I began to picture what's going to happen on that day when Jesus Christ comes back. When Jesus Christ, he comes on a white horse. And he's going to be blazing, faithful, and true on his thigh. He's going to rule with a rod and iron. And for those who are the fertile soil who benefit from the empty tomb, they're going to reign forever with him. There's nothing greater. But it's going to be one sorry, horrible day. Think about your worst day you've ever had on this planet. And for those who reject Christ, the day is going to be so horrific that you won't be able to even comprehend it. Jesus gave his all for you. Are you willing today to give everything back to him. He gave it all. Only those who truly give their lives to Christ will benefit from the empty tomb. Oh, I pray. I pray all over this room right now as we begin to close. If you are here today and you have never truly given your life to Jesus, 
And I've seen this happen over the years. I've seen pastors. I've seen deacons, Sunday school teachers. I've seen it all who finally get to the road and go, I've never really given my life to Jesus. But I no longer want to walk in this darkness. And I want to benefit today from the empty tomb. And I want to live the rest of my days for His glory. And I want to make a difference. I want to tell everyone I come in contact with about great and mighty He is. If that's you here today. I pray today will be your day of salvation. Amen. Father, we come before You. Father, my heart is so heavy today. It's burdened beyond measure. I'm thinking right now the droves of churches all across our country and even the world that, that people will just show up. It's Easter. Check off a box. And by this afternoon, we'll go back to running their own lives. Father, I pray. God, I pray. I pray, Lord, with tears in my eyes. Lord, if there's one here who's never truly surrendered their life to Jesus, please, Jesus, open the eyes of the blind right now and set the captives free. God, do the work only you can do. Only you can do this spiritual surgery. But I know you can. And so do the work. May we obey and not disobey. Until you be the glory for what you're about to do. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said. You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during This Day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend this day in the Word.